All right, so I'd like to pray before we get started, because I'm going to be sharing the message. And everybody's been asking me, are you nervous? But I think I'm more excited than nervous. But, so I would just like to pray right now. So, Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for this school and this space to, to meet in, uh, to be able to worship you and uh, say the name of Jesus in this public building. And uh, we thank you for that. Lord, I just pray that um, those that have ears will hear and um, that they hear your message that, uh, and that it would just take root in their hearts and then in their lives. And, and I just thank you for the opportunity to, uh, opportunity to, to do this and, and uh, just pray blessings over this people, pray blessings over the group that's in Peru that's, uh, that is declaring your name down there and, and sharing your love with, with the kids and the people of Peru. Thank you for the opportunity for Paul and Yesenia to reunite with their birth family. And I just pray blessings over that. So we just thank you for your grace and your love and your mercy that you provide for us. And, and um, we, just, uh, we, just, we just love you. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> So I've, re- gone, I've, I've recited this for my wife a couple times, and she said, make sure you tell everybody that you wrote it down so that you don't babble, you don't get off subject, which you have a tendency to do, and you don't get too emotional. Because I have a tendency of getting emotional when I talk about things that I care about, particularly my family, and particularly Jesus. So that's my caveat, all right? So... So in our core team meeting in April, Pastor Brady uh, was asking for suggestions uh, regarding topics or stories uh, from the Bible to, uh, to teach for the summer months. At the time, I had just heard the story of Jacob wrestling God, and I honestly, I didn't re- ever recall hearing that story before. I thought the story was very interesting, because to me, it was... I was curious because I was curious how, how a man could wrestle God. I didn't understand how that could happen, and, and God just kind of just squish him and go on. And so I made the suggestion, and uh, Brady said, okay, you want to teach it? <laughs> and I said, sure. So I didn't immediately have um, regret, but I had regret soon after. And here are some of the reasons why I regretted the decision. Who was I to get up and teach this group? I mean, I'm not a trained pastor or a preacher. I'm just a small-town boy working as a firefighter and doing the best I can to raise and teach my family. Another reason was, is how can I teach when I've got my own struggles, my own worries, like, I wonder what they'll think of me or I hope I don't make anybody mad. And then there's my everyday worries. Money's a little tight this week. Did we move to the right neighborhood? Am I working too much? Man, I hope I don't mess up my kids. Man, I hope my kids don't mess me up. (laughs) Am I serving enough, or am I serving too much? I just feel like I'm spread a little too thin. 
So all these worries, they've caused me to, to be in what I would call a spiritual drought. So I began to try to look for an excuse to not have the, to speak this morning. But then a few weeks ago, as I was out of town for work, Pastor Brady texted me to see if I was able to preach. And I waited till the next day because I wasn't sure if I was able to. I shared this concern with a friend of mine. And he suggested that I follow through with it. But to, to be real with you all. And to be real about my reluctancy. And I thought, of course, there's no better place to be real than in church. I mean, I had made it this, I, I, I'd pretty much made this all about me. Well, I needed to, to change my thinking. And I needed to change it to think about how God could use me and this opportunity to reach somebody listening. So I had been studying this, this story about Jacob. It's in Genesis 32. And preparing to share this with you this morning. Until I read in the bulletin a couple of weeks ago that I would be speaking on my story. What? All right, so Pastor Brady wants me to tell him about my story. And I was curious, why? Why would anybody want to hear my story? I mean, as the great theologian Journey said, I'm just a small town boy living in a lonely world. <laughs> From a blue collar family, working as a firefighter, trying to raise and teach my own family. So now it is about me. But here's my hope. My hope is that my story will encourage you and give you a message that will resonate in your life, ultimately bringing us all closer to God through our Lord Jesus Christ, and that the story of Jacob wrestling God would give you a sense of where you are in life right now and what you need to do about it. All right, so here's my story. There was a couple who had began courting, which I think that's what they used the word courting in the 1970s. But before they began courting, I think they had some interest in each other. One, <clears throat> one was a lineman, the other secretary. They both worked for the United Telephone Company, which is just, was just down the road near the airport. The, sec the secretary was fond of this lineman's ability to whistle a pretty tune. They began to date, and the secretary brought the lineman home for her family to meet him. This is when I get emotional, so sorry. She brought this city boy who had grown up in Independence, Missouri, home to her rural Platte County home. Her dad, who had farmed all his life, made the comment that this guy could really eat. <laughs> they were soon married and began their family. It started with a sorry. It started with a little girl. They named her Stacy Michelle. They lived in a mobile home in Kansas City that they would later move to Tracy, Missouri. I guess that's why they call it a mobile home. Nearly two and a half years later, the family added, I'm going to just pick this up. And, 
Nearly two and a half years later, the family added another bundle of joy. And it actually was a big bundle. On April 30th, 1979, in Smithville, Missouri, at Spelman Memorial Hospital, this bundle of joy was born to Stephen and Peggy Tyler. Now, remember, I said it was a big bundle, right? Because there wasn't just one, but two babies. The first was born at noon, and he was named Jason Stephen. The second needed some time to himself, but came out 15 minutes later, and was named Justin Shane. Mom had always bragged that we were the biggest twins to ever be born in Spellman's Memorial Hospital. And I'm sure the record still stands, considering it's not a full-fledged hospital anymore. So we were brought home to our home in Tracy, where we lived for about six months. We then moved to Platte City into a home on Hale Avenue here in town. And it's actually just on the other side of the trees across from the football stadium. So that's where my parents still live nearly 39 years later. I loved growing up in Platte City where we were affectionately known as the Tyler Twins. It was a small town with one stoplight, but it was the blinking type. All, all of the stores were downtown on Main Street by the courthouse. I even remember when McDonald's came to town. Wow. <laughs> Platte City was moving up. We rode our bikes all over town. Our summers consisted of riding bikes, swimming at the city pool, and going to Ben Franklin's for candy. We would even sneak into the pool hall to play a game of pinball. If our tires got low on our bikes, we would stop by Jim's standard gas station, and the guys would help us up, out and air them up for us. I was raised in the Lutheran church, which gave me a firm foundation of who Jesus was. We were members of St. John's Lutheran Church in Farley, Missouri, a church that my family helped establish back in 1872. So my wrote my run... My roots run deep here in Platte County. We went on to help start the Our Savior Lutheran Church here in Platte City back in the early 1990s. Platte City was and is a great place to raise a family. It has changed quite a bit, but one of the things that has stayed the same is pirate pride. Growing up on the other side of the trees here, I remember hearing the football games and feeling the energy of Friday nights. I remember how I couldn't wait to play for the Pirates and the legendary Chip Sherman. I know Nick knows what I'm talking about. The time soon came for us to suit up for varsity in the orange and black, and it was magical. Our junior year, we won the, Pirate, we won the Pirates' last ever KCI Conference Championship and beat those nasty Blue Jays from West Platte. It was our last game with that rival team. Our senior year, we went 9-1 and one and lost to Maryville in the district championship. I went on to play at Northwest Missouri State University, where I learned quite a bit about life and got to play under another legendary coach, Mel Churchma. As a team, we were super successful in 98, when we won the, first, the school's first ever NCAA Division II National Championship. The following year, Personally, I had some struggles of what was diagnosed as depression.
So I took that year off from football, but continued in school. I felt very little purpose that semester and missed football greatly. But fortunately, Coach Churchman gave me a second chance and gave me purpose again. I was never all-conference and never received any playing honors. I did get playing time, but if I had any regrets, it's that I didn't apply myself to the best of my ability. I did what I had to just get by. I graduated college with a bachelor's degree in corporate wellness. I moved back home. Sorry, Mom and Dad. (laughs) And I went to work for Metafit Corporate Services as a health and fitness instructor at the General Motors plant in KCK. I did that for a couple of years and did not see much of a future for that in me, or for, for me in that. So I I decided for a career change. My twin brother was working as a firefighter for the city of Leavenworth, and I could see that he had a lot of joy in his job. So I asked him about it. He suggested that I go and volunteer for the fire department here in town. So that's what I did. And it's the best decision I've ever made behind accepting Jesus as my Savior. It provided me the means of getting all the certifications and training and licenses that I need to to begin my new career, which eventually led me to meeting my future wife. I got hired by the city of Lenexa, Kansas Fire Department in March of 2004. I bought a house in Platte City in September 2004 also, and I met my wife, Julie, in October 2004. Seven months later, Julie and her seven-year-old daughter moved in with me. Life was moving very quickly. Julie and I were married in August 2007. We expanded our family when Carly Justine was born the following June. And then two years later, Grady Christian was born. During our, our time together, we would go to church occasionally. We would visit uh, Church of the Resurrection but began going more regularly to the Methodist Church here in Platte City. We just knew that we needed church, and we wanted our kids to be exposed to it. Cassidy, our oldest, she began going to Wednesday nights at the Baptist Church, which was being led by a guy named Brady Testorf, who I had met years earlier at Young Life and during high school. She really enjoyed it, and she finally felt a connection for church on Wednesday nights. Then we had heard that Brady had got hired at Vineyard as the, the youth pastor. This was one of the churches we had visited when we were church shopping a few years before. Julie and Cassidy, they really liked this church. I, however, did not. It was too weird for me with people raising their hands during songs. It was not for me. But to keep Cassidy connected and motivated for church, we decided to start going to Vineyard. I really began to embrace the worship time. I began to tolerate the hand raising. And it was connecting through Pastor Fred's messages. Something was happening. But all the while, throughout our years together, 
this cycle of conflict would arise in our marriage. And I didn't know how to deal with it. I was a professional problem solver for people when they'd call 911. But I couldn't handle my own emergencies at home. I was at work one day at a fire station I didn't typically work at with a crew I didn't typically work with. And one of those guys was a fellow named Rob. I always had a deep respect for Rob, who appeared to have it all together. He was married with two daughters and just seemed to have it all figured out. And so I asked him, what's the secret to such a successful and happy family? Through our conversation, he asked me, do you know Jesus? My answer was, yeah, I know Jesus. His next question was, do you have a relationship with Jesus? My answer this time wasn't so quick. It actually made me think. My answer was, I think so. My answer was more of a question itself. And then I got to thinking. If I was unsure as to whether I had a relationship with Jesus or not, then I probably didn't have a relationship with him. And frankly, I didn't understand what it meant to have a relationship with Jesus. You see, I dabbled my whole adult life in this thing called Christianity. But I also dabbled my whole adult life in this thing called the world. What I had learned in the next few months was groundbreaking. You can't dabble in both and expect to have a full understanding of what true life truly is. So the true answer to Rob's question was no. I don't understand. No, I don't have a relationship with Jesus, and I don't understand what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. I always knew who Jesus was, and I always hoped, hoped I'd get to heaven when I die. But I didn't understand what it meant to be in a relationship with Jesus. So, Rob asked me if I wanted to take part in a discipleship. I said, sure. I didn't even know what that meant. I mean, I remembered hearing of Jesus' disciples from the Bible, so I knew it had to be good. And I was desperate for change. So we began this journey. I would meet with Rob about once a week at 6 a.m. before our shift. We would meet in his garage slash office at his home in Overland Park. We began the study of of the Bible, and the Bible was literally coming to life. I was being enlightened to things that I never... I was being... I was being enlightened to things that I never understood before. It was truly amazing. I mean, I finally understood what grace was and what it meant. I finally understood what baptism was and what it meant. And this is by no means any fault of my parents or previous Sunday school teachers or pastors. This was happening in God's timing. And it had to happen this way. You see, God had laid this foundation throughout my life. It was built by so many different people 
who had planted so many seeds, but now it was beginning to be harvested. harvested. I had accepted Jesus as my Savior in Rob's garage. And I went on to have an experience in that same fire station where this Jesus relationship conversation had taken place. You see, we were studying baptism and the difference between spiritual baptism and baptism by water. And this is a side note because this is unbelievable. This song we just sang, this last song that we just sang, I like to say it was a coincidence, but I, it was not a coincidence. And this is why. I had desired the spiritual baptism. So that night at the fire station, before going to bed in my bunk room, at the, I knelt down. And I asked that the Holy Spirit would, would indwell in me. I then had this word take over my thoughts, and it was Abba. And I did not ask, ask them to sing this song. I was not familiar with this word, but it repeated in my head over and over and over again, Abba, Abba, Abba. I had no idea what I was saying or thinking. I thought, okay, that is weird. And then I went to bed. The next morning, I continued my studying, and my studying was directed to read Galatians 4, 6, which they just read. So Galatians 4, 6 says, And because we are his children, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. And while I was preparing to talk to you guys today, I, had, I just realized that that is what it is meant to have a relationship with Jesus. Because it's through this relationship that we can call out to our daddy. And through Jesus, our daddy sees us as perfection. Thanks to our, relation, our relationship with Jesus. So I read this passage out of Galatians, and I was absolutely amazed. That's when I knew that this was for real. This thing called Christianity, Christianity that I had dabbled for for years was absolute truth. There's no doubt. I am all in. I had been baptized by the Holy Spirit. I wanted to tell everyone, but I didn't want them to think I was crazy or weird. I wanted to tell Julie, but I was wondered what she would think. We had never prayed together. We had never studied the Bible together. What would she think? But I, I had to tell her. So I went home and I, I said, Julie, don't think I'm crazy. But I need to tell you something that happened at work. I shared the story with her, and I just recall her reaction was like, that's cool. I was like, isn't it amazing? She's like, yeah, that's cool. So several months later, Julie and I decided it was time to get baptized by water. 
we'd spent some time studying, our, um, doing some discipleship amongst ourselves, and and um, we, we decided to do this. It was a big decision. Considering, considering I had already been baptized through the Lutheran faith as a baby, and I had a lot of loyalty to that. But I also understood that was a decision made by my parents, and I was so grateful for that. But I wanted to make this decision on my own. So Julie and I were baptized December fifteenth, two 2013, by Pastor Brady at, at Vineyard. I wasn't sure what to expect next. I knew life wasn't going to be all rainbows and unicorns. But I did understand, but I did understand the meaning of rainbows since I had this fresh new understanding of the Bible. So life continued. We had our ups and downs, but they seemed to be more manageable. We became a part of starting this new church. And after meeting in homes, which I thought was really cool because it was a perfect biblical picture of what church was supposed to be about. Then we began to meet at the YMCA, and then we eventually were blessed with this space. It's been both fun, hard, and this church has had some ups and downs. So life continues. Our next curveball was when we found out that our 17-year-old daughter, who was getting ready to go into her senior year of high school, had an unplanned pregnancy. We were all surprised. This was not part of the plan. This led to many worries. The biggest question I had was, how was a child going to care for another child? We had many discussions in regards to options. We prayed about her options. Julie and I had agreed that although we could raise the child as our own, it would be best to go along with God's plan. He had allowed this to happen for a reason, and we had no place to interfere with his plan that Cassidy should raise the baby. Cassidy coincidentally, came up with the same decision. She wanted to raise the baby as her own. We told her we would support her the best we could, but we expected her to finish her senior year and to pursue some type of career. That this moment was not going to define her. She wasn't going to become a statistic as a teen mom and that she was going to make her own way in life. And it turns out that two and a half years later, little Jacoby is a blessing to our family. And Cassidy is an unbelievably great mother who we are so proud of. So as I mentioned earlier, I've seen this, I've been in this spiritual drought the last few months. And that I found that when you're not plugged into God's word and when you're not diligent in, in your prayer life, when you're not diligent in sharing Jesus and the Bible teachings with your kids and your family, and when you allow yourself to become distant from family and friendships, then life becomes more unbearable and chaotic and lonely. 
when you just go through the motions and, and you do whatever you think feels right and you ignore God's nudges, then life doesn't produce much fruit of peace and joy. But when God appears through this fog in life and you catch a glimpse of him, we need to just slow down. Calm your mind and relax and grab a hold of him and hold on. You see, this is what Jacob did. He was in this moment of life that he was stuck between a rock and a hard place. He had made decisions in life that were catching up with him. He had stolen his twin brother Esau's blessing, just to note, I never did that. And he had married two of his cousins and was in disagreement with his uncle. And for the record, I never did that either. So this moment came in Jacob's life. He was all by himself in this particular night, and he was confronted by a man. Now there's some, some Bible scholars think that this man who was confronting Jacob was an angel. Some people think that it was Esau's guardian angel. Some scholars think it was God himself, and others think that it was a pre-incarnate Jesus. And I'm telling you this because, because it, I think it's important that we study it and we pray about it and we make our own decisions. And this is what I did. I firmly believe that in my mind it was Jesus. And there's like a, there's like a comfort to know that even before he was born as a baby, he was alive all through the Old Testament. Because it's his story, right? It's all about Jesus. So in Genesis chapter 32, verses 22-32, it tells us the story about Jacob and, and, and while he's wrestling God. So here's Jacob. He's all alone in, the, in, in this evening. I think he just wanted to be alone because he was, he was scared. He didn't know what to do. He was going back home after being tw- gone for 20 years, and he was afraid of his confrontation with his twin brother. He was afraid that Esau was going to kill him. But he couldn't go back to where he was because his, his uncle was disappointed with him too and, and, and they were just at odds. And so here he was all alone. He was in his nighttime. And he sees, he sees this figure of a man coming towards him. He comes right up to him like he's, like he's meeting business. And it's Jesus. And he's looking at him face to face. And he's, what, what I can imagine is that he's, he maybe knows who he is, but he's not quite sure. And then they begin to wrestle. Now, if there's one thing in life that I've learned, is that I am not a wrestler. I've tried to tussle with wrestlers in the past, and that is a bad mistake. <laughs> they have moves that they can make before you even know they make it. So I would be scared. But Jacob is wrestling with this, with this man. Jacob is, is wrestling with Jesus. And it goes all night long. 
So my thought is, is why does God, why does Jesus allow this to happen? Why does he allow it to continue? Why doesn't he just squish him like a bug, like I mentioned earlier, and just go on? It's because of this. It's because he knew Jacob, and he knew he wanted to give in. Well, I'm sorry. It's because he knew Jacob, and he knew that Jacob wouldn't give in. And that God wanted to do two things. For one, he wanted to leave Jacob a reminder. So as they wrestled, Jacob had, had Jesus and would not let him go. The sun was starting to come up, and Jesus says, let go. And Jacob says, no, I'm not going to let go. So Jesus reaches down and touches Jacob's hip, and he wrenches it out of socket. And I don't know, we've got some, we do have some medical people here. The femur is the largest bone and largest structure and strongest bone in the body. It's in the hip joint. It's like the strongest joint in the body. To reach down and touch it and t- cause it to be wrenched out of socket is a lot of force. <laughs> and there's only one person that could do that, and that's definitely Jesus. But this caused Jacob to, to be in this horrendous pain. I don't know if anybody's ever had any hip problems or even dislocations, but the patients that I've seen that have these dislocated hips are in horrendous pain. And we don't move them until we give them some pain medication to help them with the pain. Well, Jacob, he's in this horrendous pain, but he will not let go of Jesus. This injury will eventually cause him to to limp for the rest of his life. And that's the reminder that I think that God gave him was this limp. So he would never forget this night and his encounter with Jesus. So here's Jacob, his, his hip is wrenched out of socket. He's got this un, un, unbearable amount of pain, and he's just holding on to Jesus. He's not letting go. And he tells him, he says, I, I'm not letting go until you bless me. So what does Jesus do next? He asks Jacob, what's your name? And Jacob says, it's Jacob. You see, God has gave him an opportunity to come clean with him. He gave him an opportunity to repent of his faults and his sins. When Jacob told God, when Jacob told Jesus that his name was Jacob, he was coming clean with his whole life. He was, he was a, a deceiver. And there are some Bible scholars who say that that's what Jacob means. No offense, Jacob. <laughs> They say that Jacob means deceiver. And so essentially what Jacob is saying is, God, I'm a deceiver. This is my struggle. This, is, this has been my sin, and, and, and I know I haven't pleased you. But he's repenting. So God hears him, and he says, you will no longer be known as Jacob. He says, your new name is Israel because you have wrestled with God and won. 
Now, when I hear this, I picture of, of, of a baptism. I picture of God taking Jacob and, and, and just burying the old, right? Burying the old, and, and, and as he comes up, he's, he's Israel. Like, that's his new name. And, he, and he, names him, he, he names him Israel because it means that he had striven with God and he won. How did Jacob win? I think he realized he couldn't wrestle with God, and he, re- he realized that when you wrestle with him, there's still this sense of selfishness because we're trying to get what we want. But when you hold on, and you just slow down, and you just hold on to Jesus, he will bless you. I was talking to Rob this week, and, and we were just kind of hashing out some of the story, and, and he goes, what do, you th- what do you think of when you think of a blessing? And I said, well, initially my, my, my thought process or my, my thinking goes to, to um, you know, material things. And I think that our culture has ingrained in the, in that into us so much. And I think those can be blessings. You know, it depends on how we use them. But I think the true blessing that God can offer us are blessings like peace and joy. His, his blessing of peace surpasses all understanding and all circumstances. And I think that's what Jacob found out that night. That even though he was stuck in the circumstance of going home and to, uh, to see his twin brother, who, had, who he hadn't seen in 20 years, who he, who he had stolen his blessing from, or going back to his uncle, who he was at odds with, he, he was scared, right? But God gave him this peace that surpassed all of that. And it makes things possible, right? It makes things bearable. Let me have the worship team come on up as we finish up. So here's my question to y'all. Where are you in your encounter with God? Can you see him? Are you on the mat sizing him up? Are you in... Are you in arm's reach of him? Or have you engaged him? Are you currently wrestling with him? Or are you just holding on? So I'll leave you with this, with this, this quote. It's by the late Dr. J. Vernon McGee. He said, We don't get anywhere with God by struggling and resisting. The only way that you can get anywhere with him is by yielding and just holding on to him. So I'd like to end this in in a word of prayer. So Father, we thank you. We thank you for your power of force that can wrench a hip out of socket by just a simple touch obviously we don't want that 
but sometimes it's it's those your power that we need to get our attention. And so, Father, I just pray that, that that those that don't see you, that you would become visible to them. And in those moments of, of chaos and storms in our lives that, that we don't see you, Lord, that, that, that all we got to do is whisper your name and you're there. So, Father, we thank you for the, your word and we thank you for the stories of, 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 of the gospel and, and the, that we see you all throughout the Bible. And we just pray, Lord, that, that, that it continues to come to life in our lives and and um, that we become part of your story. So we thank you and um, just lift you up in our lives and and, um, just pray that we can go and share your love with others so we can be your light in, in what can seem to be a dark world. We just thank you and we love you and we just praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.